0: And welcome to this week's edition of Basketball 201. I'm Jared Morse here with Ben Ladner. And Ben, you know, the last few weeks of these haven't been that good. We've been talking a lot about Indiana's struggles. Uh, Last week, you know, we went back to way early in the season to find, you know, something positive to hang on to. And lo and behold, Indiana goes out Saturday and unexpectedly uh, plays a terrific ball game and beats Michigan State. And today we're going to talk about some of the improvements that, that Indiana made offensively, some of the, uh, especially just how much more in rhythm they are. And of course, you can see that in the stats. They made 10 of 23s and just, you know, were more, more cohesive, more successful on that end uh, for the entire game. So excited to go through that today.
1: Yeah, it was one of the most remarkable wins, one of the most mar- remarkable games I've seen in a long time. I mean, to, to you were, you were best, there too, right? I was there, yeah. I was, I was you know, um, I guess it was the opposite view of the, if you're, if you're watching the TV broadcast, it was like the top right corner. Um, so Seth and I had, had a good view. Um, and I, I haven't seen many things like that, honestly, having a team, you know, big underdog already against the number six team in the country on the road loses their best player like 12 minutes into the game. It was just amazing the way they rallied. And you talked about the the connectedness, the cohesion on the offensive end. Archie Miller talked about that a lot, both after the game and on his radio show last night, just the ball movement, um, the, the rhythm that the offense found. And it really is a huge difference between what we saw against Michigan State and what we've seen, you know, the last month or so. It looks like two different teams. So I, I guess that's probably a, a good place to start. Um, is just the ball movement, you know the, how different the team looked and the continuity of the offense relative to, I guess, recent weeks. So, what we have here, we have a play from the second half. Most of these clips will be from the second half. Um, where Indiana is is running an offensive set. They've taken the lead recently. This is kind of later in the game, under the four minute mark. Uh, a little bit after their kind of flurry of of threes, they hit four threes in a row at one point. Uh, Those there's, there's like four baskets in a row were threes. Um, which I don't think they've done all season long. So that's a, a, an improvement in itself. But this is, you know, the, just watch the way, watch how many actions they run in this one possession. That's kind of the biggest thing. Look how many times the ball changes sides of the floors. They run, rewind that a little bit. They run kind of a a double screen action. They they ran this a lot where Romeo Langford's going to loop through here off of a double screen. And then Jake Forrester is going to come back down to set this for Devontae Green. So you're getting multiple options off of the same action. You're and Romeo loops back around, you're running multiple sets, and then you kind of get a, a Romeo one-on-one able to hit the shot, create space for himself. So while that was kind of an individual play by Romeo Langford, it was made possible by the fact that they moved the ball, they changed sides of the floor, you know, they they made the defense work, they made the defense bend. And what we've talked about for so many weeks now is that Indiana just hasn't had any space, and particularly Romeo Langford just has had no space to get into the basket because the defenses are stationary, they're loading up, they're blocking his lanes to the basket, and when you force the defense to guard multiple actions, when you force them to move back and forth on the court, you prevent them from just being able to stand there and block off one part of the court, and so I thought it was a really nice adjustment from Archie Miller, a really nice adjustment from the players to put the defense in motion, get them bending, Kind of get them out of shape, and then you give Romeo that space, that opportunity to attack against an opponent that can 't really throw multiple bodies at them the same way they have been in recent weeks.
0: yeah, we highlighted that when we showed clips of the Purdue game and how they moved so well offensively and you know had guys you know away from the ball just moving just to give those defenders something to look at right. so when you see something like that you know and you watch a clip like that, and it looks so much different from what Indiana had been doing. Is that something where, you know, this week they refocused on that and put, you know, those kind of sets, those kind of actions in? Or is it something where that stuff had been in place, but the players just weren't moving with the crispness and the purpose and the enthusiasm on offense that they did on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I think they started out the season trying to run some of that stuff, uh, you know, at, at the open practice that was way back in in November. Um, that was one of the big things they worked on was the continuity, the motion offense, getting a second side, you know, pick and roll, multiple sides of the court, reversing the ball, that kind of stuff. And then once the season hit, it was kind of this confluence of, you know, maybe guys not totally grasping the offense Jawan Morgan being so good as an individual player, Romeo Langford being so good as an individual player that they kind of got away from their team continuity stuff. And then it seemed like when they needed to go back to it, they just weren't as familiar with it as they needed to be. They didn't really have the confidence. They didn't have the reps um, or, or really, like you said, the crispness to run it. And so it's probably a lot of different things. I, I think they ended up getting away from it uh, early in the year. and And that was, you know, because of some good things that were happening because you had two superstar players who were, kind of make it all happen. But I think because of that, once teams started to figure out how to stop that, Indiana couldn't really find that, you know, that offense that it had wanted to run all along. And so that that game on Saturday night was really the first time that we've seen that in quite some time. Yeah. So the the second clip I want to show here, I've got about 10 or 11 clips, so I we, we don't have to go through all of them. Hey, um, it was a great game. We'll, we'll sit was, here and relive we were, it all day long. One that I think is... Uh, you know, is is important and, and kind of instructive here if I can get the thing to go back out. Oh, can't figure out how to share it.
0: Uh oh, live technical difficulties here on basketball. Here we go. Okay, so here we go. Here we go. There we go. All right. Um.
1: Again, second half, a little earlier in the half. This is a stretch. You know, Evan Fitzner didn't play a whole lot in this game, but this is, I thought, one of his better stretches of the season. He didn't hit as many shots as he hit against Marquette. Didn't hit as many shots as he hit against Duke or anything, but I think just him being able to open up the floor, he he did that in a way that we haven't really seen him do basically since that Duke game. I mean, he's just been a total non-factor in so many of these games for Indiana and it was really good to see him kind of get off the bench, get some minutes, kind of get, get within the flow, the rhythm of the offense. And I thought he really helped contribute to that as well. So this is a fairly simple play. We see it all the time with big men who can shoot basic pick and pop Fitzner sets the screen. His man, I think this is Xavier Tillman comes out to, to show on Al Durham as Aarons gets back in front of Durham. And, you know, basically Jake Forrester kind of moves through here to pull Nick Ward out of the play. Cassius Winston is going to be alone. He's kind of behind Forrester here. But he's going to be alone on the weak side. We've talked about this so often with Indiana being on defense, right? The the predicament that this weak side defender is in between choosing between this guy and then this guy in the corner. Um, and, and I showed a clip earlier in the year of Devontae Green in this exact position against uh, Indiana State from last season and you're basically choosing between giving up a three to this guy on the wing or this guy in the corner. So Winston, you know, he's kind of in that same position, late closeout and Fitzner hits the three. I thought that was important, not just because Indiana got three points out of it. It kept them in the game. It was a big shot, blah, blah, blah. But you start, you started to see later on in the game that Michigan state was paying attention to Fitzner. They were respecting him. Um, they, they were closing out on him and, and not allowing him to get open shots and because of that, Indiana got, you know, open shots elsewhere. You know, they were able to move the ball and able to, to create offense because of the threat of Fitzner. And, and I talk about gravity all the time on this show. Um, but that's really, that's really what it's about. You need that to run an effective offense. And because Indiana was getting shooting from so many players, they had, I think, three or four or five players hit multiple threes in that game. Uh, and so you're getting contributions from all these different guys. So it's not like you can just deny one guy and shut the rest of the team down. Because you're getting, you know, just these, these widespread contributions, it makes the team a lot harder to guard. And when every guy on the floor has gravity, the defense has to make a lot more difficult choices.
0: It was so great to see him make that three-pointer after how much he struggled. And I will predict, he's going to make his next one. I don't know when he'll shoot it, but I don't know if you noticed, but the rest of the game... Because that came early, and he didn't play a ton the rest of the game. Right. But I felt like after he made that shot, his movements looking for shots were more confident. Like, I could tell he really wanted to take another shot, but Michigan State really closed out on him well, so he could never get one off. But for a lot of shooters, you just get that one to go, and it you know the floodgates open. So that's my prediction. He's going to make his next one. Yeah. I, I want to ask... Not... No, oh, go for it. Well, I, I want to ask you a question. You mentioned gravity, and I don't know if you have a clip that shows this, but you know, Deron Davis made such a big impact in that game. And we've talked a lot about gravity in terms of, you know, three point shooters and being able to space the floor. What kind of gravity does a postman like Deron Davis have to where guys on the perimeter have to think about doubling him or have to think about helping and how that might actually help create more space for the three point shooters?
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of the the I've I've talked about it with Juwan Morgan before about his gravity from the post, where when you're such a dominant individual scorer, if you command those double teams and you're a good enough passer, which I think both Morgan and Davis are, you can find guys for kickout passes. You can create open threes. You can find cutters, all that kind of stuff. And so again, it's this idea of, you know, putting the defense at a numbers disadvantage. If you have to draw two players on the post, that means the defense is basically playing three on four across the rest of the court. So if you can find that open guy, you're going to be in good shape. Same kind of thing with a shooter. If you have to draw that extra defender, you make an easy swing pass, and the next man is open. Um, so I do think it's kind of a similar phenomenon. And, and Duran was able to hit a couple shots early in that game. I, you know, right after Jawan went out, Duran. I have a clip of this, but I probably don't need to show it. Um, Duran hit uh, blocked a shot off the backboard, got the rebound, pushed the ball up, and made a hook shot out of the post on the ensuing possession. I like thought that was really great big. stretch. Just yeah, great. because it kind of forced Michigan State. Not only okay. Well, first of all. Just having Duran on the court gives Indiana a body that they did not have because yes. they needed his thighs, they needed his physicality. Uh, and Jake Forrester, you know, he tried hard, but he was not providing that. So for Duran to get in there, make a shot out of the post, kind of establish his presence down low, similar to that Fitzner shot I just showed, I think it really you know, made Michigan State respect him. It kind of put, put him on their radar, so to speak, offensively, so that when they did pay Duran Davis attention – he left other guys open, and he had four assists in that game, which I, I think just off the top of my head is a, is a season high, if not a career high. Um, and so I thought he was really good. And it wasn't even, for him, it wasn't even like those those kickout passes from the post, you know, finding cutters. It was just kind of moving the ball within the flow of the offense, making the intuitive pass, just making the correct read. And a lot of the time that led to assists just because he was playing within the flow of the offense. So it, it wasn't as, as much like the Jawan Morgan A variety of assists where he's drawing double teams, reading the floor, kicking out, finding open guys that you didn't even realize were open. It was kind of just playing his role, kind of fitting within the offense, and it led to some good things.
0: And I I just, and the, you know, the other reason why that stretch by Duran was so important, because it was literally the possession after Juwan gets hurt. It's almost like, yo, guys, we got this. I'm here. Let's go. Because Indiana hasn't had that settling presence in those road environments. You know, you get your two juniors back, but then your senior goes out but that really kind of helped to settle things down. So, you know, I thought Duran had a big impact just in terms of the geometry on the floor, but also just the confidence and the attitude of the team because he's yeah. such a big personality and he's so naturally confident. To me, I think that rubs off on the guys. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've played better with him on the court. Yeah, I agree. And and I think,
1: again, just having that body, just having that presence where yeah. you can have a backup center that you don't have to worry about. You know, is this guy going to be a liability? Duran's not a perfect player, but he, he doesn't make you worry. He doesn't make you sweat about, you know, are we going to be able to play five minutes with this guy on the floor? And just having that, just having a a a good quality of backup is is so key for a team that hasn't had much depth this season. Yep. The next clip is kind of the, uh, the natural follow-up to the Fitzner clip I just showed where they're going to run another pick-and-pop this time moving to the other side of the floor. And watch how Michigan State plays this one because now that Fitzner's already hit a three – They've kind of got to respect his shot a little bit, and so, again, comes off the screen. Xavier Tillman is going to show on Devontae Green while Cassius Winston gets back in front of the ball. This isn't quite what Indiana does with the the hard hedge, but it's kind of a variation of it. We've talked about the high drop where the big guy just kind of gets to the level of the screen. That's kind of what Michigan State was doing all game. Um, So Fitzner's going to pop here. The shot's open, and you see Matt McQuaid guarding Al Durham on the weak side. It's his responsibility now because Xavier Tillman's gone over here. It's McQuaid's responsibility to close out on the shooter. He does. He stunts and recovers, but he doesn't do it in time. And because Cassius Winston was all the way out here guarding Devontae Green, he's not in time for the rotation. And Al Durham just rotates over for the jam. God, that was beautiful. And and again, it's just moving the ball, you know, making the simple play. Fitzner could have shot it. He could have tried to make a, you know, a, a harder, more difficult pass. He moved the ball. He just made the right read. And that was kind of the story all game for Indiana was just, when they moved the ball, when they got those side to side ball reversals, uh, they were able to get good stuff because again, you're making the defense move. You're putting them out of position. You're making them work. It's hard. It's hard to guard, you know, four or five different actions within one possession. You know, just the work that that takes, the focus, the physical effort. It's not easy to defend. And for for so long, there, Indiana just wasn't making their opponents exert that effort on defense. And it, because of that, you become a lot more difficult to guard. So I think just making Michigan State defend and making the move like they did on that play and the other play that I showed um, was
0: really the the key to the game. Can you can you run that clip back real quick? There's a couple of things yeah. I want to look at real quick. So who's over in the left corner? Okay, so that's so Romeo's over in the left corner. So here's the other thing about this. So so keep going with it all the way to after the screen. So stop it right here. So you know one of the other difference in this game is you've got Devontae Green in the game here as opposed to maybe a guy like Zach McRoberts. Well, Cassius Winston yeah. has to stay close to him because he's made a three. And Romeo, even though he's not a huge threat from three, you know, you, he's got that gravity anyway. So Orange is going to shade over toward him. Now go go just a little bit more. See, the other thing that I thought was good here, and I actually thought Al started breaking a little bit sooner, but recognizing the open space and cutting, you know, not just standing stationary at the three-point line and getting the ball, at which point, you know, he could have had an open three, but, I mean, with a lane that wide open, you want to go in and get the automatic two, the dunk. So just recognizing that and moving there before the defense even has a chance to react, because if right. he's a split second later, now you know McQuaid might be able to get down there. Winston may be able to get down there. So good recognition by him and a good pass by, uh, by Fitzner to basically take advantage of the extra second and turn it into a dunk as opposed to a contested shot.
1: Yeah, and like you said, right here, when Fitzner has the ball, you, you mentioned their defenders hugging up on shooters. Aarons is probably a little bit out of position over here because he, he's two passes away. But again, Romeo Langford's made a three. Devontae green's made a three. Evan Fitzner's made a three and Al Durham has made a three. And Devon Davis has hurt you. Deron Davis has hurt you in the post. So it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying, where it's not like you have one guy who's doing all the damage. Like in, in other games, if, if, you know, two opponents will be fine, leaving this guy open, they'd be fine. Just not closing out on Fitzner. If it came, you know, at the, if it gave them the ability to, to, deny Romeo the ball, but because Indiana has five legitimate threats on the floor here, it just makes the, the decisions for the defense a lot more difficult when you have multiple guys that can hurt you.
0: Yeah. And Al almost could have recognized that sooner and started cutting even. Yeah. He cuts second, right here. Yeah. That's, sooner. that's an
1: even your bucket. Yeah. But still a beautiful play. Yeah. All right. Let's see if I can find
0: the next one here. Have I showed this one already. Let's yeah. And, and the other thing, just, you know, just on a macro level, the spacing was just so much better. I mean, we have watched yeah. so much offense that has just been clogged and bogged down. And it was just nice to see the spacing. And look, you know, yeah. there is a reason why Indiana shoots so much better from three-point range when Devontae, Allen, and Rob all play. All three of those guys shoot 38.5% or better from three. None of them are great, but they're all above average. So they can hit threes and teams have to pay attention to them. And that naturally is going to space the floor. And part of the issue has just been having all those guys on the court at the same time. So, you know, some of it was just a natural outgrowth, I think, of the personnel that was available, but also, you know, they clearly made a more concerted effort to use that personnel better.
1: Yeah. And this, this next clip is actually a good example of that. And I think, you know, later in the game, once Indiana kind of started hitting some shots, I liked the way that Archie Miller started to, to look for, th- and the team too, started to look for threes a little bit more. Cause it's, it's not a team that's going to take a lot of threes by design, but they're going to take the ones that are there. And I think Once they realized that the team was feeling it a little bit and kind of had some rhythm, uh, they were able to create some opportunities from three that they don't normally look to do. And this play is a good example where, you know, again, like I said, on that first clip, they're running multiple sets, moving the ball side to side, one action right into the next moving. And then so watch here when they're going to run this this middle pick and I guess side pick and roll moving middle. Michigan State plays their typical coverage. Watch Justin Smith here on the weak side. You know, your eye wants to focus on the the ball screen action, the role, you know, the the help defender here. That's kind of this half of the floor is what you're you're first drawn to. But watch Justin Smith because Michigan State has, you know, basically a couple guys zoning up on this side of the floor. And Justin's man is all, all the way down here. This is, I think, Kenny Goins basically at the midline to help on this role for Deron Davis. Justin, you know, he, he recognizes that, sees that there's only one guy basically in the vicinity of him and Al Durham. And so what he's going to do is as Al kind of moves along the side of the perimeter, Justin's going to pin in, set the screen there and just give Al a little bit of space to get that three off. It's not a hard screen. He doesn't flatten the guy. But he, he gives him just a, enough of a nudge for Al to kind of sneak behind the, the, the screen and catch and shoot three. I mean, that's a really I don't know if that was by design, but it was a really smart play by Justin Smith just to kind of, again, work within the flow of the offense. You know, just kind of read the floor, see what's there, give give the offense some rhythm and make something happen. It kind of reminds me of what we talked about a few weeks ago with Purdue, those kind of backside, weak side screening actions to keep the defense, you know, distracted almost. Except in that case, obviously it serves as the result of a, or I guess the cause of an open shot but just kind of making things happen keeping keeping yourself engaged and keeping the defense engaged in turn uh was you know again we didn't see it very often in that seven game losing streak but we saw it quite a bit in that game and now just those little things that you saw on offense were they made the difference between that win and what we've seen in the last seven games
0: It would not be surprising if that was just recognition on Justin's part. You know, I think he can get a bad rap sometimes because he doesn't really make good decisions with the ball when he's on the move, when he's dribbling. And, you know, sometimes he won't get back in transition or he'll, you know, be playing a little bit too relaxed for people's tastes. But Archie has talked about how cerebral of a player is. And if you really watch him, you know, we've shown clips on defense, you know, where, you know, he's just making really smart plays, you know, same thing there on offense. Like, I think he and he's especially good in zones because I think he has such good recognition of spacing on the floor. You know, I think part of it with him going off the dribble is he recognizes space and the right time to attack. But physically, he isn't quite good enough off the dribble yeah. and decisive enough with movements once he picks his dribble up to actually take advantage of it. But from a recognition standpoint, he is a really smart, intuitive player. And I think you see it with plays like that. Yeah, and, and now that you mention it, I'll pull up another example of that where it's just kind of Justin
1: Smith recognizing space and making a play. Uh, this is going to come also in the second half, I think, a little later. Actually, earlier in the second half, around the nine fifteen mark, Again, you'll see same kind of pattern that I've been talking about. Indiana running, just notice the continuity, the difference in continuity in the offense. The, the the one pass just leads to the next, and they run into a set. It's not just you know one guy trying to pick his spot and then passing it on to the next guy to take his turn. It's actually some decisive movement, some decisive offense that's kind of been missing. And again, this kind of ties in with what I was talking about with Michigan State's pick and roll coverage. When you run that high drop, this one is almost more of a hedge but Goins is going to come all the way up, you know, above Justin Smith's hip. So he just reads it, sees that Goins is above him, slips right to the basket. Devontae Green makes a nice play. And Justin Smith with the patience and body control to finish. I mean, a lot of the time we'd see him probably put up a, a crazy wild shot there and miss it, clang it off the glass. And he did do that a few times in this game. Yeah, I didn't think he was great finishing around the rim. Um, but that's, that's kind of a, a simple play. You know, right? you, you see that it's just a two-man game getting an easy basket out of the pick and roll but you know like I've said before I think that's a way you can maybe unlock Justin Smith a little bit more get him involved in the offense use him as a role man use him as a screener like we saw in that other clip uh, just kind of these these little things where you can if you can make him a little bit more threatening you know make the defense pay him a little bit more respect it's going to do a lot of good things for the rest of your offense
0: well and you're right he didn't finish great but There were a couple times where he finished really well. There was that bucket. There were a couple in the first half. What was the difference between when he finished well and when he didn't? When he finished well, he was typically on the move or had his position and received a pass that led him into the shot, right? Maybe it would be one dribble like there, but he's already on the move as opposed to initiating it with the dribble. He had one of those, maybe two of those in the second half where he came from outside the three-point line and did a better job with it in the second half. But that right there, what you just showed, that's when he is so good offensively. You know, you look at the synergy numbers, you know, when he ends a possession off of a cut, it's like 1.35 points per possession or something. It's elite. Same thing in transition. I mean, when he can just get the ball and finish instinctively – He's so much better right now than when he's trying to initiate something or go iso. And you know, I get it. You know, you need to have game reps to get better at that. And he's a young player, and we're going through those growing pains. But you know, Archie said he thought it was the best and most complete game that he's played, and I agree. You know, outside of you know some defensive lapses in the in the first half and a couple of transition miscues that he had, he really came on in the second half and overtime and helped you know compensate for the loss of Juwan.
1: Yeah, and and while we're on the subject of Smith, I think he's been maybe the most improved player on this team, just from from the start of the season to right now, where we are now. Oh, yeah. I think he's improved more than anyone because you compare some of those finishes to what he was doing earlier in the year where he's driving left, you know, kind of flying out of bounds, putting up a fading right-handed floater. You rarely see those anymore. And that's good because they rarely went in. Uh, and now he's showing much better body control, much better patience going to the basket. He still has some, some plays where he's a little out of control, doesn't have the best touch around the rim, but he, he's at least kind of, you can tell that the coaching staff has gone to him and said, hey, here's some things you can work on. Don't do as much of this. Try to do more of this. And he's actually put them into action, and that's really encouraging to see. I also thought that Michigan State, that, that game was his best game of the season as a help defender. And you and I have talked a lot about his, his individual defense, You know, his work on these elite power forwards, the Jordan warres the, the Lamar Stevens, You know, kind of these, these scoring four men who, with some quickness and some size and kind of these versatile forwards. Um, He's done a really good job. He's really good at guarding those guys. But I always felt like he wasn't quite as good as a help defender as he could have been early on in the year because he's such a good athlete. He could be a great shot blocker, but he didn't always show it. I thought in this game, he was especially the second Saturday. <laughs> game, he was really dialed in. I mean, blocking yeah. shots, getting to the basket, even the ones that he didn't block, just contesting shots, being a presence. He took a charge on Matt McQuaid. I thought just his rotations, his activity around the basket, because Michigan state didn't have that elite power forward. I mean, you know, their foremen were able to stretch the floor and make some shots, and they did. And they actually, you know, Justin, if you watch a few of those plays, he was pulled out of position a little bit by his, you know, having to hedge and recover onto a shooting four rather than kind of an interior base guy. I thought Michigan State's bigs were really crucial in in opening up their offense. But in the second half, man, he was just on it. The rotations, activity, it was all really great as a help defender. And and that's something that we haven't seen a lot of, mostly because he's been guarding, you know, more kind of individual off the dribble kind of guys. But when he's had those opportunities to be a help defender, he's been hit or miss. But I thought that Michigan State game was just a great performance from him. Yep. Agreed. So this this next clip is uh, also from the second half late in the game. This is actually an overtime. Um, and it's it's kind of in in illustration of of maybe what indiana can look to do a little bit more of moving forward and and something that archie miller talks about all the time which is transition and and looking for early offense trying to get guys going finding seams with an open floor in front of them so we'll see here kenny goins has a left side three left corner actually a decent shot for michigan state indiana is a little lucky that he missed it but rob Finney grabs the rebound pushes ahead to romeo Langford, one more pass to al durham and he draws a foul again, simple play.
0: Where has that been all season?
1: That's how exactly, you run transition right there. Just the opportunism in transition, looking to push the ball, seeing what you have. And then if there's nothing there, maybe you pull it out, but you're not going to find out unless you really look for it. And unless you really push the ball and, and and try to find those opportunities. And so I thought Indiana had a few plays like that. That was just one of, of a handful, um, but their, their ability to work in transition and just get, the offense moving early because it, it's always easier to work against a scrambled defense than it is against a set defense. And so I think Archie has been saying that for weeks and weeks and weeks, we got to get out in and transition and, and the team hasn't been able to do it, but for whatever
0: reason against Michigan state, they were. And Rob did not have a great game, but that was a really great play by him to yeah. get it and immediately go, you know, and especially for a freshman, you know, in overtime, you're up by one, there's three minutes left to have the presence of mind to just be aggressive and get it out there. He got it to Romeo. And then I thought it was, you know, a really unselfish play by Romeo to just, you know, and great recognition to immediately see Al Durham. I mean, there wasn't a wasted movement. And to me, yeah. watching us in transition, you know, there have I think the reason why we haven't been good in transition is because there's indecision and wasted movements. And so, you know, by that time, you know, your margins in transition are small. Teams are hustling to get back. And so by the time, you know, we get down there, any advantage is lost. That right there is how you run transition. You're decisive from the moment that you get the rebound and everybody's moving toward the basket, filling lanes. And that was, it was beautiful. Nice job by those guys. Yeah, totally agree. Last clip here
1: is uh, we'll go back a little bit to the idea of offensive continuity and ball movement and, uh, you know, all five guys kind of playing locked in Uh, again, look at the, who's on the floor. And, you know, it sounds like we're kind of bagging on Zach McRoberts and I I like McRoberts a lot as a player. And I think he does a lot of good things, but offensively, I do think there's a case to be made that Indiana's offense is a little healthier when he's off the floor. And I don't think that's, you know, a nuclear take or anything. I, I think he's, a negative offensive player even though he's not terrible he just doesn't really give you much but you look at who's on the floor for indiana right now all pretty solid offensive players rob Finney, romeo langford Devontae green justin smith deron davis all guys who can put the ball in the basket even if smith isn't the greatest off the dribble guy not going to create his own shot but you know the other four guys can do some things offensively that really forces michigan state to pay them some attention and so here we'll just kind of see same kind of thing side pick and roll moving middle Ball reversal, ball reversal again, swing to the corner. You get the pick and roll moving middle. And again, like I said, you're, you're moving the defense from side to side. You're making them guard multiple actions. No one on Michigan state is in a position where they can just load up in the middle. Even Deron Davis moves from the elbow to the block and kind of back and forth in that area. So no one on Michigan state can just stand there in the, in the lane and barricade the rim. It's not possible because the offense is moving and making the defense move with them. And so finally, they get this Romeo pick and roll moving middle. They draw the defense in and an easy kick out three to Devontae Green. At that point in the game, Indiana was on fire and, you know, just a simple drive and kick on the surface level. But it's because of the the ball reversals, the movement, the driving and the kicking
0: that you're able to get it. Romeo, I thought two things that really stood out. I mean, in addition to just some of the amazing shot making late in the game, his movement off the ball was so much better. I mean, he yeah. really moved with purpose. Um and I thought he, you know, he's always looking to score when he drives, but he was much more willing if that initial drive was cut off to pass with trust to his teammates. And I think that's been missing, especially as Indiana has been shooting cold. I'm sure in Romeo's mind he's like you were shooting 25% from three. Let me just go try and get a two because it's it's probably a higher efficiency shot if I just take it. But when you surround him with the guys who can make threes like Devontae and like Al, I thought he was much more willing to pass. Um, And that was great to see. You know, there's... Longtime IU fans, of course, will remember, you know, something Bob Knight always used to say, which was just, you know, very simple. Just be hard to guard. We've got to be hard to guard. You know, one of the, the tenets of the motion offense, which is be in motion, be moving. So, you know, if you're just standing there, you're easy for the defense to guard. And Indiana, for you know, too much in the last seven games has been easy to guard. You know, whether it's been because you have a guy like Zach McRoberts out there that isn't a threat off the dribble or to shoot it. You know, you're playing younger guys like a you know a Clifton Moore who really isn't a threat on anything but offensive rebounds right now, or because the guys who are out there just aren't moving. You know, and are just standing. Yeah. And when you do that, you can see the impact because Michigan State's a really good defensive team, and it's not like Indiana you know had the greatest offensive night of all time, but they had a good enough. Offensive night, and someone else was building against a really good defense to win a game, and that's yeah. such huge progress. And it it really boils down to do, obviously it boils down to making ten out of twenty threes. That's huge, but it also just boiled down to doing a lot of simple things that have always kind of been tenants of IU basketball. Better, you know, the movement, the sharing of the ball, all those different things, and it was just so nice to see that, you know, back in an Indiana uniform again for one night. And, and we've got to see yeah. if they're going to keep doing it. But and this is what I want to get your your thought on here as we close. Unless you have any other clips that you well, want to Well, one more point um, yeah, yeah. just okay. on
1: that on that clip. You you mentioned Romeo kind of trusting his teammates or at least seeming to trust his teammates a little bit more and look where he is when he makes this pass. You know, on the drive he gets it and he takes three dribbles look where he is when he makes the pass he doesn't try to barrel all the way into the rim he gives it up early as soon as he sees that the defense has thrown extra bodies at him he makes the pass and and in recent games you know like you said it's almost been like well we're shooting so poorly from three I'll just try to get to the basket and it's almost been it almost seems like he's getting in his own head where he's he's been in a funk so he's trying to break out of it by just attacking 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 getting to the basket and there is some value in that but I also think that at times it's made him, it's given a little bit of tunnel vision. And in that game, I thought he did a really nice job of just reacting to the defense and making the simple play when it was available, rather than trying to, you know, take that one extra dribble that he didn't need to take, put up a shot against, you know, three defenders when there's an open guy in the corner, you know, just those, those kind of plays that that he's been bottled up in, you know, he, he kind of avoided those situations himself. uh, In addition to, you know, the offense opening up space for him, he kind of worked himself out of those situations by making those early reads, making those smart passes.
0: Yeah. So, you know, you come out of a game like this, there's, there's kind of two narratives that could be at play as we move forward. You know, one, you know, we could look back on this after Indiana, you know, goes eight and one in their last nine games and are like, wow, boy, that game against Michigan State really turned things around. This team started clicking, you know, they played really well. Or we could look back on it, you know, when they go, you know, two and seven and it's like, well, at least we had the Michigan State game, yeah. you know, but then we reverted back. And so I guess the question is, you know, where do you kind of fall on what you expect to happen? And I would say for me, granted, I tend to usually take, you know, the more optimistic side of things. But, well, I don't think that we'll probably shoot 10 of 20 on threes ever again. I really do think, and and even after reflecting on it, think that there were some really repeatable things that we saw that really could, that really suggest that this could be an actual turnaround. The biggest one is just having guys healthy. You know, you yep. get Devontae out there, you get to out there, Alan Robber out there, like you get all those guys healthy. This team has proven they're a good team. So that makes you feel better. But then number two, you know, you see the movement, you see the Christmas, you see some of the things that they were doing offensively. And I have to think that now for Archie as a coach, being able to say, guys, look, this is what we did to beat Michigan state at Michigan state they're going to be more trusting that, Hey, if I put forth this extra effort, if I move, even though I don't know if I'm going to get the ball, this is going to help lead us to a score. And because the ball is moving so much better, I might end up getting the ball that, helps with offensive enthusiasm and consistency and all of those things so you know if I had to bet if I had to really predict what I think I really think that game's going to signal a turnaround and that we're going to see much much better offense moving forward assuming that we keep these guys you know all those guys mostly healthy for the rest of the season where do you fall on what you expect moving forward
1: yeah, I think you touched on it with it's it's really the offensive and defensive too, just the connectedness and the confidence that they played with. It like like you said, they're not gonna shoot 10 of 20 from three every game. They're not gonna have 21 assists in every game. But the trust, you know, the confidence, the the movement, the decisiveness, the crispness with which they played on both ends of the floor, that's the kind of thing you can carry over because Indiana's not gonna play a team as good as Michigan State the rest of the year, except Michigan State when they come to Assembly Hall. Um, but aside from that, you know, Iowa's a good team. Minnesota's a good team, but none of them are, are elite like Michigan State is. I mean, that's a national title contender, and, and Indiana just beat them without their best player on the road. That's probably a little bit of a fluke just because those things don't happen, um, and it was kind of this, this huge underdog you know, performance, which, which was totally unexpected. But again, if you can do that, I mean, there, there's no reason to believe that you can't you know, rattle off a run here to close the season strong. And like you said, it could go the other way. We've certainly seen enough evidence from Indiana to suggest that that was a one-game blip. They're gonna, you know, continue spiraling and kind of revert back to old ways after this. So it could go either way. But I think, like you, I would I would lean toward, you know, maybe not eight and one, but maybe they close seven and two, six and three. You know, kind of on this upward trend, get into the Big Ten tournament with some positive momentum and see what happens. But I, I do think it's kind of just the the philosophical, conceptual stuff that they were doing. Ah, uh, the execution rather than you know the, the actual results, just the process, I guess, um, with which they played. If you do that consistently enough, you may have games where the ball just doesn't go in. But if you play with that sort of of vigor and that sort of confidence and 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 I guess togetherness on both ends of the floor, you're going to give yourself a good chance in basically any game you play. And I think that is what bodes well for Indiana more so than the hot shooting, more so than the high assist numbers. You know that the, the the name brand win, I guess, if you want to call it that. Just those those really uh, philosophical things are the ones that can carry over. And one, one more thing, too, I want to get in before we close, yep. is that I thought Al Durham was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to note that. I thought he was so good all throughout the game um, and really in that second half. It really stood out to me. He was just playing with such purpose. He seemed to really be communicating on the floor more than I've ever seen him. I mean, he's it, coming I, I really, out of
0: his shell as a leader for this team.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that came through on, on the TV broadcast, but being there in person, I really saw him. You know, relaying calls from the bench to the guys on the floor, telling guys, "This is who you've got. This is who I've got. This is how we're matched up." You're know, calling out signals, talking on defense, communicating on offense. I thought he was, you know, a real big reason for that win. I'm I'm sure him coming back from a dislocated finger had some sort of galvanizing effect um, for the team, even if it didn't single handedly swing the game. Uh, his shooting obviously was huge the way he played defense. He I don't know. A- it
0: might've do I mean, do we win the end of that game without Al Durham? I don't know
1: if he's not on the floor. No, but I am as far as just the lift that it gave the team. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how, how you can necessarily quantify that, but I thought his defense on Matt McQuaid was terrific. He got through screens, you know, he fought uh, to, to deny the ball. He closed out on shooters when he needed to. I just thought every part of his game was really, really good in that Michigan state game. And I think, you know, I've been kind of, leaning this way for a couple weeks now, I think he's probably the third option. You know, if we keep talking about who's going to be the third guy on this team, I think it's Al Durham at this point. And I think to me, there's a really compelling case um, that he is the third best player on the team right now, even though you could argue Justin Smith maybe, but um, yeah, I just wanted to get that in there that Al has been really, really
0: phenomenal over the last week or so. He, he, he has the largest growing fan club in the, uh, on on the IU team. I think, you know, the thing with Al that is so interesting is we've always kind of known that he's got natural leadership qualities you could just tell but i think it can sometimes be awkward for a guy who isn't highly recruited a three star guy that isn't in a huge role early on you know his minutes were a little inconsistent last year his production was very young. he's young his production was yeah. very up and down this year it can be hard for that guy to emerge into a real leadership role because of those things But I feel like now he's starting to come out of his shell more because his production is more consistent. His minutes are more consistent. And I think he's really earned the respect and trust of both his coach and his teammates. And you're seeing that come out. And it couldn't have come at a better time because Indiana needs – More vocal guys. Like we've got some leaders by example. You've also got to have guys that are vocal with it too. And I think Al is going to be more comfortable maybe in a vocal leadership role than some other guys are. And that's a really big, you know, and Archie mentioned, you know, something. It was either in his radio show or his post game comments. It was something like, you know, we've had kind of a shift in leadership. We've gotten that figured out. I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something like that. And I wonder if Al is kind of involved in that at all. You know, if he's if he's, you know, kind of part of what Archie is inferring there, because at least from just watching the actual game action, it's felt like that. And he's been so much better over his last four games. So I agree with you on that wholeheartedly. Yeah. And at the very least, you know, he can shoot the ball. You just if you need someone who can just knock down shots, he's been that guy all season long. And he's finally driving to the basket again, which is yeah. what we saw last year. So he's really oh, become yeah. he's really become a two dimensional player, and his mid range game is pretty good too. Yeah. So he's and hard defense. to he's yeah he's hard to guard. So my last question for you, obviously we've talked about on the show, you are you know you're an IU student, but you're a North Carolina fan, and I think I think part of the reason why people appreciate your uh, your interludes here on the assembly call is your ability to dispassionately analyze right. uh, the Hoosiers, which you know I can struggle with, I admit. Um, <laughs> But as you were there watching the game, did you get caught up in it? Were you rooting for Indiana watching the game? I was, or were I you would, able to just stay there and kind of watch objectively?
1: No, I was, I was nervous. I don't know that I was necessarily rooting for one side over the other. But w- when they got down the stretch there, um, I, was, I was nervous. And I, it reminded me of, I was, I was actually sitting courtside covering the Kansas Villanova game in 2016, the Elite Eight. Um, and I remember during starting lineups, like when they're announcing starting lineups of that game, I was like, my hands were sweating and I wasn't even playing in the game and I was nervous. I had no investment. Uh, But just like those environments, those tense moments in loud, raucous environments, I think, you know, whether you're playing, whether you're rooting, whether you're just watching, have a way of kind of making you get caught up in it. So I don't know. I was, I was rooting for IU in the sense that I, I wanted to have something new to talk about right? Cause it's more interesting if they win. I I have, you know, a a more interesting story to write about, to tell, to, to report if they win rather than if they lose and just, you know, lose eight in a row, same old story. (laughs) Um, but so, so I think just from that standpoint, I probably was rooting for IU just a little bit, but
0: it was more because of the story rather than any sort of, uh, loyalty. I'm sorry to say. Hey, no, no, that's, that's, that is quite all right. Um, hat tip to Joel in the chat mob. It, clarity is what Archie said about the leadership. Right. They've got, they've gotten yeah. some clarity on it. Um, so, hey. Yeah, and hope. then that was
1: actually in response to a question about him calling the team soft after the Michigan game. Yeah. and he, How they've kind of turned that around since then. Um, and, and just the, I guess, you know, hardening up, if you want
0: to call it that, uh, the the way that they were able to kind of respond to that. It's funny that you mentioned being nervous because I, I tweeted this out during the game, like, I was as nervous as I've been during a game because the way that I watch games has changed a little bit now that we do yeah. the post game show right afterwards because I take notes a lot and sometimes like I used to be a just a crazy person during games up the whole time <laughs> clapping like cheering yeah. and all that stuff and I don't do it as much now because I'm like trying to process everything to you know remember it for the post game show but some games the moment just gets you yeah. and and for me man that was probably as nervous as I've been since maybe I don't know, since maybe the game at Iowa when Yogi hit the shot to win the Big Ten yeah, title. Like just wanting the win for the players so much because they earned it. You know, it would have yeah. been one of those where it's like, man, if you lose, it's just you feel kind of crushed because they really like they actually earned that win. Yeah. Um, and they got it. And it was great to see. And they got it in part because of everything that you just highlighted there on the offensive end. Yeah, so. And it's funny, too, because I
1: remember in high school, like when I, you know, we played probably three or four big games with big crowds. And I was never nervous. Like I never got nervous for like when I was playing in, and granted they were high school basketball games, not, you know, (laughs) D1 at Michigan state, but you know, like that never like made me nervous as a player, but as, you know, just as an observer, I I get more nervous watching games than I do playing them. Are you, are you a shooter? I, I, yeah, that's, that's, that's mostly what I do. Can do do a, do a little bit of ball handling kind of, become more of a combo guard since high school but uh that's probably because the competition is not as good. Are you a tra- have- are you a trash talker at all? Not a trash talker. I I want I wish I could talk trash. But there's <laughs> I, always I have a like, hard
0: time seeing you as a trash talker.
1: Yeah, there's just that possibility that you just look like an idiot, you know, if you play poorly, you just like it it just it, it backfires. So I, I usually uh, I find it actually more effective but, if you say anything.
0: Well, and, and proclaiming and, your, and your effect on gra- proclaiming your effect on gravity as a three point shooter doesn't really like translate into real right, emphatic yeah. trash talk. <laughs> yeah, See how closely you had to guard me that got <laughs> Yeah, look at how I'm spacing the floor. The geometry yeah, can- that I affect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you Can't stop me. <laughs> Uh, well, Ben, thanks uh, as always. So glad that we can uh, have some laughter on this one as opposed yeah, to yeah. The, the last few weeks. Hopefully we have a lot more of these fun ones moving forward because that was a, a fun one to look back at. All right. I'll uh, talk to you later. I'll, I'll say hi to Dan Dockage for you on Thursday. No need. <laughs> no need. <laughs> no, that's good. All right, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you later. Talk to you later. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet. Hitting the gym. Avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts in response to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 P5 Smart Bed is only $17.99.
1: Save $600. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Real estate agents have the power to adjust their client's approval letter amount in real time using Rocket Pro Insight. Sign up today at
0: rocketpro.com real estate. Call for cost, information, and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. MLSconsumeraccess.org number 33.